Wednesday evenings, we are currently studying through some of the Psalms. Now let's join Pastor Ross as we continue through what has been called Israel's Hymn Book of Praise and Worship. For our last Psalm in the series, yes, let's pray together. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you. It's been a wonderful blessing to be in and about the Psalms, Lord, just the, the beautiful way that the Psalms comfort our hearts and Uh, Lord, draw us into a place of worship and praise before you and remind us of all the blessings and why we should be most grateful and thankful. Um, We pray, Father, that you'd bless our time in the word. Tonight, we just uh, need the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's nothing like a good Christian testimony You know, if you're a new Christian, uh, we use the word testimony to talk about uh, anytime God intervenes in our lives. And so it's not just uh, how we met Christ, but if God answers this uh, wonderful uh, prayer request, that can be a testimony. So after a near uh, tragic uh, thing is averted, uh, let's say you have a lump or a bump and you go to the doctor and things are looking a little scary and the uh, PET scan comes out uh, negative. That's a beautiful thing, amen? amen. Or a, a terrible car accident where the car just gets crunched like an accordion and somehow you exit the car without a scratch on you. Or unexpected uh, resources appear to prevent your uh, foreclosure or a bankruptcy. Those are are moments of great joy when God just, and and we know it's God. If we know the Lord, we know that these blessings come down from him. And so when we feel spared or saved or set free, and it's the hand of the Lord, uh, there's nothing more natural or joyful or meaningful than to praise God and to tell others. And so testifying or telling other people about how God has impacted us in any way is just a big part of the Christian life, and it's a huge part of Christian life worship and so and it doesn't necessarily just have to do with God intervening in a crisis it just sometimes he just pours out a blessing on us you know and uh, you know a desire a, lo- a longing fulfilled is so sweet to the soul and so those count as well so uh, we are going to be talking about psalms that are dedicated to the topic or emphasizing testimony uh, and and it summed up really well with this psalm right here. One one uh, one phrase from a psalm that says, "Come and hear, all you who fear God, fellow believers, my brothers and sisters in the faith. Let me tell you what He has done for me." So any of the psalms that really just kind of focus in on on telling the story of what, of God's goodness and faithfulness, they're called. Uh, hymns of uh, deliverance or psalms of testimony. You know the chart. So let's look at the chart. See, we are finishing up tonight. And there are two really good uh, examples. They're not, it's not the one we're going to land on tonight. But Psalm 40, there are quite a few of them. Uh, Psalm 135, hymns of, of testimony. So hymns or psalms or songs. Uh, we know what we're talking about there. And so... Um, this is just a huge part of Christian worship. And, and I mean, to come together and to sing um, of all the blessings of God and what it does and why it's so important is it prepares your heart for God to work. And a family tell me, and it has stuck with me ever since it came out of their mouth about 15 years ago. Uh, we, we come after the song service, our whole family. We're not into the singing part. You, you know, and, and, and they've been Christians a long time. 
We come after the singing part because we're not singers. We're not into singing. Oh, you're missing. You're missing this coming before God, opening your heart, just kind of getting in the zone spiritually, speaking, shutting everybody out, and, and spiritually doing, getting in the posture to do business with God. And the reason Psalms come before you, for me, I don't even pray before. I need to read something first. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why for thousands of years, Christians gather together. And first, you hear the Psalms of testimony. You hear all the wonderful things about God because it, first of all, it's fitting to walk into God's presence just praising him, right? But secondly, functionally, it prepares you, it reminds you, it softens you. It reminds you of your obligation to God. And, and now you're inspired to want to do the hard work of wrestling down your thoughts and putting others first and dying to yourself and all the hard stuff. It's hard stuff being a Christian, amen? amen. One more time. It's difficult sometimes <laughs> to be a Christian, amen? amen? I thought so, I thought so. And so the songs of deliverance that we are going to see tonight, if you want to call them songs of testimony or, or uh, check out what God has done for me songs, okay, um, they prepare us and they're going to prepare us uh, as they did this evening, worshiping. Now, I'm just going to say this, it's not in my notes, surprise, but... Some of us worshiped tonight, and some of us did not. And, and God knows, right? And probably you do too, right? And, and I would say I don't worship every single second of every single song. I mean, I'm a human being too, right? So, but what I'm saying is I certainly try. I'm certainly working at it. And, and you must combine faith and effort together in a prayerful, concerted effort to make it happen, because if you don't, you're just going to be singing songs, and you're going to get a neck workout, you know, you'll be doing this, you know, every time I pray, you know, but you're not connecting. Yeah, so, 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 um, Christianity is about being intentional, amen? Okay, and so the Psalms help us get there, <laughs> all right? So a really good example of a, look what God has done and let's praise him together song is Psalm 30. And so we'll project it here, I'll read it. Reading from that NIV, the 1984 inspired version. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God. I called to you for help, and you healed me. Oh, Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going in, down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I'll never be shaken. Amen. Oh, Lord. When you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called. Here we go again. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction and going down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me, O Lord. Be my help. You turned, and it closes again with testimony. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. That's something to thank God for. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. And so that is Psalm 30. It's one of my favorite psalms, not going to lie. I love that psalm. So... A nice example, a model psalm of testimony, if you will. So note takers, there are four things that a good psalm of testimony will, will do. Psalms of testimony will always glorify God, one through three verses. Uh, psalms of testimony will inspire God's people to join in 
it's contagious when you start getting excited about God and telling about what, what he's done and what he can do. Uh, thirdly, that, those are verses four and five. Psalms of testimony will help us learn hard lessons because we're listening vicariously, right? And then Psalms of testimony will remind us to say thank you because sometimes we forget. Uh, we'll talk more about that in verses 10 through 12. All right, so as the, uh, let's isolate the first part here. So the Westminster Catechism, when, when the Protestants who were protesting, that's why we're called Protestants, when the Protestants were protesting Catholic, the Catholic doctrines in the Catholic Church and broke away from the Catholic Church. Uh, they came up with a statement of faith that they would teach their children and that was just guiding them and uh, that was called the Westminster Catechism and, and so I just thought I'd explain that because I'm quoting from it. Man's chief end is to glorify God and one of the ways we do that is when we tell of what he's done. We can do that speaking or writing or singing and actually by the way we live. Uh, but we're talking about singing tonight. Now, in songs of testimony, right? And so the first part of the psalm starts with lifting God up, exalting him and magnifying him for what he has done. Lifting uh, David is the author out of the muck and mire. And so David is in trouble. God is going to, oh, David is in trouble. Surprise. <laughs> He's always in trouble. And, uh, or so it seems, right? And uh, some of the best Psalms were written when he was in the worst shape in his life. And that's usually when God shows up the strongest, you know? So here we have a few verses here getting us started. So, the first thing is, if, if it's going to be a testimony, if you're going to have a biblical testimony, if you're going to sing about it or not, you're just going to share it, the testimony to be biblical and to be worth its biblical salt must make God the star. Now, it's easier said than sometimes done. Now, he's going to be star, uh, star, star of the story, right? He's got to be star of the song. He's got to be the star of the testimony. So to exalt. So he says, I'll exalt you, O Lord. And there's seven times it's like for you, for you, for you, for you, you alone, you alone. And this is the big deal in song, songs of testimony. To glorify means to shine a spotlight on, to make God bright in everything else around diminishes because you are accentuating the greatness of God above all rival great things. And so this to exalt him then is to kind of lift him high above other things. So when you're exalting God in your life, the, the, all, everything else just kind of falls from sight because he's lifted up. He's, you're exalting. So he's just saying, I just want to talk about you. I want to tell other people about you. I want people to see you in my actions. I want people to know you. I want to be always uh, making you happy. I want to exalt you and lift you up, he's saying. And so Notice the effort, as I said, you, oh Lord, I want to exalt you. You lifted me up. You lifted me out. I didn't lift myself up. See, this is the, the, the deal of making it all about God, the testimony. You, you, you didn't let my enemies win. Uh, you, Lord, my God, the one I called, you're the one who picked up. Nobody else picked up because there's nobody else out there. Um, you made me whole. Oh, Lord, you brought me up. You spared my life. So we've been down this road before. It's, it's kind of hard. Uh, even to ourselves, we have to, to remind ourselves in our own testimonies. Listen, it wasn't my skill that did any of this, right? I mean... Uh, for me, and I just thought of this, just saying this, it's not in my notes again, um, but I didn't do any of this. I didn't do, I had 40 Costco chairs. I didn't even have money for 40 Costco chairs, right? We didn't have any employees. I didn't have money for a salary, nothing. I could never have done anything to where things have happened 
today. And so that's the idea that even in your own heart, but if you're not careful, you will start thinking, well, we did this right, and then God blessed it, and then we did this, and we persevered, and then we really used wisdom in that decision. And, and before you know it, it's kind of like, well, yeah, you know, you're patting yourself on the back. Think about your own life, about your own accomplishments and how you went from zero to whatever it is you have or do. And before you know it, you just pat yourself on the back. It's a slippery slope out there, right? So not my skills, not my quick thinking, not my resources, he's saying as king, not my tenacity, not my army, not my horses, not my shields, not my weaponry, not the palace physicians, and not my advisors. These are songs of testimony. Listen, praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Psalm 72, 18, psalm of testimony. Psalm 4 and verse 8, in peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me to dwell in safety. You alone. Yeah, you set your alarm by the alarm and lock all your doors and all of that, but it's not the alarm, it's not the doors, it's not any of that, unless God, it's God, you alone. And and the more stuff and the more skill and the more degrees and the more money and, and the more everything, we just lose sight because he's not exalted. We exalt him up and say, oh, it's you alone that causes me to be able to and fill in your blank, right? But watch out. Just watch out. Because then, (laughs) this is the problem. Because when we get mixed up and we short circuit the truth that it's all God, then he'll help us to strip away some of those things so that we can clearly see that it is God and God alone that, that brings those blessings. And unfortunately, I speak from experience. <laughs> and all of you have the same sort of testimonies, don't you? Right? And so, so to lift up the Lord is to play everything else down, including ourselves. And when we tell it to ourselves and when we tell it to others, listen, we must not be glory stealers. Now, I read, I was reading the Gospel Coalition. I was on their website and I read some cool little uh, post talking about photobombing Jesus. Now, to photobomb means, you know what a photobomb is, right? Let me explain it to you old folks. No. It's when somebody's trying to take a picture and you walk by and you're, you're right? So you photobomb them, all right? Oh, let's see, all the old people. I heard them all go, oh, you know. <laughs> I love you. Do not email me anything. <laughs> I'm just having fun with you. Well, uh, this guy was talking about photobombing Jesus. So that so what happens is we, we got Jesus in the pictures ready to take a picture, right? And then we're like, don't forget me. You know, and you ruin the picture. The song is less sweet if it's not cleanly and clearly all about Jesus. And the more that we get involved in it, the less sweet that song and effective that song. Is and it's not hard to to do. You know how uh, testimony. I've mean, heard these. How how bad we were instead of how good he is. Oh, I was so bad. And then the next guy's like, oh, "You think you were bad? <laughs> Let me top that." And and now we're having like a contest of whose testimony, right? And who's the star of the show? It's you and your badness. We don't want to hear about you and your badness. It's shameful to even talk about what the disobedient do in secret. That's a quote, right? A little bit to give some structure, to give God the glory, you know? But we have to be careful. How about this? Is this a testimony? God has blessed me so much financially, right? I started with nothing, and now, I mean, I'm the number one giver at such and such charity. Is that a good testimony? 
No, it's called a photobomb. And it, <laughs> that is just like, God has blessed me so much financially. <laughs> you know, it's just you, you ruined everything by saying, and look at me and my generosity. So he's saying, listen, I exalt you. Look at that, you, you alone. It's God. It's my Lord, you know. And, and, and David had to learn the hard way because even in the psalm it says, part of how I ended up in that well that he needed to draw me up. And by the way, he lifted me up is language of to draw a bucket out of a cistern, right? So he was going to say, I ended up tripping into that cistern because I was Mr. Immovable. I got this. I don't need God because I had so many victories. And we'll talk about that. I'm getting ahead of myself. But so there's... A reason he's exalting God. And I love it because in the, in the Hebrew, it's very, I will lift you up because you lifted me up. I love this because in the New Testament, he's like, lay down your life for Christ because he laid down his life for you. It's this commensurate, like God gave everything for you. So does it make sense for us to give him like 50%? He didn't give 50% to us. We're 100% saved and 100% his. And that was 100% of an agonizing death on our behalf. And then somehow we tack him along like as a hobby or put him in the upper dresser, you know, and say, you stay in here and I'm going to live my life, but I'm a Christian. And so that just doesn't work. And so I will exalt you because you've exalted me. You pulled me up and out, so I'm going to lift you up. And so he's saying... Uh, and the meat of the testimony here is one through three, and then he repeats it, closing eight through 12. He says, out of despair, and for David, it can be stress and difficulties, doubts, temptations, and it seems here that he has a sickness unto death, that he quite possibly is going to die, and he's, he's sensing that he could die from this. Uh, it is including an illness here. So, uh, he's in some kind of trouble. And then there's an extra added bonus, which I love in verse 1. And trust me, we will move forward. Um, so when God lifts David up and saves him, even though it looked like he was going to crash and burn, and he's not getting up this time, his enemies were robbed of the opportunity of saying, aha, aha, and having a little party because those who don't like him those who were jealous of him, his rival, uh, rivals out there, uh, were, uh, wanted to rejoice in his downfall, right? And so he's saying, thank you, God. I praise you. I exalt you because, uh, because you saved me the sting of hearing my enemies sing. Ah, look at that. God's rejected him. And it's about time somebody dealt with that guy. And I'm so glad that that loser's finally gone. You know, part of the joy of God's intervention is that our enemy, the devil and demons, who just delight in seeing us destroy our lives and ruin our Christian testimony, that they're robbed of that. So God rescues a terrible situation that could have caused a church split, that could have caused a divorce, could have caused you to be dead. But he intervenes. And the devil is like, oh, he was just licking his chops. He saw where you were headed. You were ready to just plunge into the abyss. And God goes, whoosh. And the demons are foiled again kind of thing, just like in the movies. And, and uh, David says, this is a lot of joy. I've got written down here a, a, a political illustration. James Comey just got fired, head of the FBI, and it was a surprise to him. Now, I'm sure that it, it, is, it hurts to be fired nationally, publicly, and as a surprise, right? But do you want to know the real sting? The party going on at the Clintons, rival arch enemies. She has publicly said, I lost the election because of that man, right? So now that man just got fired by the president. Just fired the guy who Hillary claims cost her the election. So now, in addition to the pain of being humiliated and not having a job, 
he knows he has a rival, right? And she's so happy. She has to be happy. Because she lost an entire presidential race in her mind because of him. And now he's had a downfall. Do you know the sting of when your enemy is happy that your life imploded? David says, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you have spared me the salt in the wound of having somebody say, oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Mm, I see you're all thinking, and that's a good sign. (laughs) All right, I have a quote here. I'm trying to read it. When we escape the traps and we recover, rebound, and are restored, the devil is bummed out. And those who don't like us don't get to rub it in. And this is part of the joy of being rescued. Okay, time to move on. Next part. Sing to the Lord, you children of his, you separated ones. That's all saints mean. It just means not moral perfection, as I've said many times. It's a word that means separated from the world, separated out of sin and darkness, and separated to a new purpose. That's what the word means. Sanctify. Saints, they're related to the word holy as well. That's what it means. Just like used to be this, now you're over here. So um, here he says, for his anger lasts only a moment, his favor lasts a lifetime, weeping for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And so second point, testimonies will call others to join in and, and, and bring some inspiration and encouragement. Now, it's fun to praise God by yourself. And when God does something and you're like, yes, and, and you know, wow, that was the Lord. But it's way a whole nother ball game when you get to take like a negative uh, cancer test or you get some beautiful news about something and you get to share it and, and, and see how it draws other people closer to God. And it has such an impact. It's so much fun. To, to say, here's how I was praying, and how cool is this? This is a total God thing. And you tell it, or you sing about it, and people are just, you know, Psalm 34 and verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. That's the deal about people with a low view of church today. Oh, you miss out. Oh, I listen to things, you know, online, and I do this, and don't worry about me. Yeah, but you know what? There's something that enriches God-designed life together. Living stones built together were supposed to be together. And part of that is so that we can share in the testimonies, singing together and and hearing how God is intervening and working in and, and through our lives. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And so he says, sing to the Lord, you saints, all, all God's family, praise his name. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to... Um, Inspire hope through really kind of saying, this too shall pass. So here's what he's saying by his testimony. He's telling you, I went through this terrible time. Darkness, fear, death all wrapped around me. I thought it was over. And now I walked through it. Blue skies, the sun's shining, birds are singing, I'm better. And and God has done a beautiful work. So he's trying to say, listen up. The thing you're in right now, the little tunnel, the little well that you fell in, whether you tripped in intentionally almost, or whether someone threw you into it, right? It's temporary. God's people have a destiny to come through trials. And there's there's a door in, and there's a door out. And he's just saying, be patient. The testimony always tells you. And when you hear it, you, if, if you're divorced recently, and then you hear some Christians say, let me talk to you about it. I was divorced 15 years or 20 years ago, or 35 years ago, or you lost a spouse. And then you hear a Christian get up and talk about losing and becoming a widow or a widower. 
and how God worked and, and comforted and carried them through. Or you have a child who renounced the faith. And then somebody says, takes you out to lunch and tells you, pours out their heart and says, 15 years ago, my son or my daughter. There's just this thing where he's saying, listen, I've been in the pit. I got out of the pit. You may be in a dark time too, but just it's temporary. And this is what he's saying here. Notice the contrast here. I want you to see this. Anger, favor. Moment, lifetime. Weeping, rejoicing, night, morning. That's how trials are. There's always the trial and there's always the deliverance for God's people. This is spiritual law. And he's trying to encourage us to everything. There's a season. And by the way, this too shall pass. It's not in the Bible. That's one of those things like God works in mysterious ways. Yeah, he does. But that's not in the Bible either. Nor is a stitch in time saves nine. You know, <laughs> you know that funny story? I don't know if I told you this, but I, this former pastor... Um, of another church when I was an associate. And he's thumbing through the concordance, and I love to, to memorize the addresses of scriptures. And so I, I was saying, tell me, tell, give me a word in it, and I'll tell you where it is. I'll tell you where it is. And he's like, oh, you don't know where it is. And I said, just, just give me a, come on, give me a chance. And he goes, a stitch in time saves nine. I was like, oh, that's the easy one. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, moving on. You don't know who I'm talking about, so there. Okay, this too shall pass. All right, now listen. Anger to favor. He's saying, listen, the Hebrews 12 thing. God has a time when he disciplines and chastises, and it seems very harsh. It doesn't last that long. If you cooperate, when he brings correction in, you will reap, as Hebrews chapter 12 says, a harvest of right living and blessing. So, so don't despise the hard time. James says, why don't you count it all joy? James chapter 1, verses 2 through 3 and 4 says, when you fall into trouble of various kinds, Count it all joy because your God is doing something good. He's making you stronger in the faith. He's completing your character. And that's the way he does it. That's the way he's working. So he's saying, listen, yeah, anger, it's going to pass into favor. All right? Then he says, moment in lifetime. Listen, most of the Christian life, all things being equal, you're going to see more blue skies and more sunshine than rain. All things being equal. Now, God has his jobs out there, and he's working the way he sees fit. But, you know, even with Job, come on. How many years did Job even live? Let's, let's say he lived to 90 or 100. How long is eternity? How long is eternity? Our light I'm quoting 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 4. I think it's 2 Corinthians 4, 17-ish, where it says, uh, listen, our light and momentary troubles are producing an eternal weight of glory that far surpasses anything of the trouble. So listen, come on. I mean, if I live to the life expectancy of a male, I don't have very long left to live. I, I mean, honestly, what is it? Uh, let me see. Do the math. 25 years? That's okay. Maybe 20. <laughs> you know, whatever. It's not. We don't have a long time. And, and, and this is the closest to hell we're ever going to get. This is the closest to hell you're ever going to get. And then you have eternity, and you will never even get the chance to live for him under suffering and faith ever again in all of eternity. This is it. This is the only time you get to say, though he slay me, yet shall I trust him. This is the only time. And he's going to be sitting right there. You're going to see him. I mean, those days are going to be over. Yes, we're going to be happy about it. But anyway, and by the way, this is the closest to heaven that an unbeliever will ever get. 
if they don't repent. This is the closest they get. Um, tears and rejoicing. Yeah, you know, you cry, and then you come out of it, and you think, I'm never going to laugh again. I've had those moments. It's so tragic, I, 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 I'm just not going to laugh again. I can't ever picture it happening. But you do, you do. You come out, and you laugh again. That's a promise. And, and, and then he says, night will give way to morning. Listen, I'm telling you, I promise you, the sun's coming up tomorrow, I promise. It's going to come up. And in the same way, he's saying, your nighttime has to, by spiritual law, by destiny, give way to chirping birds. And what is that? A little bright coming through the window there. It has to happen. And it's going to happen, even if it means opening your eyes and you're in heaven. It will happen. It will happen. Hallelujah. Thank you, all of you, all three of you. <laughs> no, I know there was more. Four. All right. There. Here's what he's saying. There's an appointed end to this thing you're in. There's an appointed end. It will not go on forever. And that's part of the testimony. And he's trying to say, hey, okay. So take a look. The sun is coming out. Six through ten. When I felt secure, and here's how he got into trouble. He's, this is testimony. When I felt secure, when God was doing stuff and making me victor, victorious and the Philistines were submitting and I, I went over the Jebusites, you know who, who those were? They were the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So when, when God made his mountain firm, which is when he could stand on the hill where we're headed, 102 of us or whatever, next year, he said, when God gave me Jerusalem and made it the city of David, when I was at peace with all of the borders and God just exalted me and there was gold shekels in the treasury and there were girls there and a wife or two, unfortunately, and uh, for him. But he had it made. And, and so he started with this attitude, I'll never be shaken. Done. Who needs to get up and have devotions when you're King David? When you live in a palace like this, come on. You got a wife like her? You got a chariot like that? You know? Sorry. Some of you with your chariots. <laughs> I'm just jealous. All right. I, I, will never, I will never be shaken. When you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, you know I toppled into a well. Now, I want you to see a couple things here, if I can find my place. All right. Um, yeah, oh, a, a good biblical testimony or song of deliverance will help you learn a lesson, right? Because you're, how many of you would rather learn vicariously through somebody else's folly than your own? Yeah, and, and I'm not nominating myself to be your teacher there, you know? So listen, he's saying... Um, this was a self, this one in particular, not all of them, but this one of these, being in a dark cistern, was a self-induced hardship. Learn from me, watch out for pro prosperity on every level. I whispered this into every ear I baptize, just about, if I forget sometimes, but I try to. Watch out. You just made a stand, everything good, you just told the, everybody who cares about you if they showed up that you're a born-again Christian. You're on top of the world. Watch out now. Just watch out. Because that's how it happens is we get blessed, we feel good, and then we take the, the foot off the pedal a little bit and we just start to get comfortable and then everything's soft and cushy and easy and there's no uh, wet eyes or soft heart or knee time Right? Because we're good. We're good. Everything's good. And bam, that's when it happens. That's when it happens. So he's trying to say, you know, whatever trouble he was in, he felt like he brought it on by a careless, proud, presumptuous, independent uh, spirit. You know what he was saying? You know, and ironically, this is terrible, and you see it right here. When I felt secure, when you favored me, and you made my mountain stand firm. 
Oh, that's painful to me. The very blessing of God mishandled sets you up for a disaster. God did not bless him so that he could topple headlong into a cistern, right, of chastisement. But because he didn't handle it properly and he just started to get inward and self-absorbed by it and spiritually lazy, then God had to shake him up. So he was saying to himself, I'm the master of my own destiny. I'm calling the shots. I've arrived. You know, I've got it all figured out. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. (laughs) That's from like the 70s. I don't even know where that's from. I don't need church, I don't need prayer, I don't need Bible, I don't need obedience, and I don't need home fellowship groups. I don't need any of that because I got it together. I don't need the ladies' Bible study. I don't need the guys' things. I'm good. And I'll tell you what, get a lump. Get a lump right here. Oh. Get fired. Have your wife say, you know what, I I love you, but I'm not in love with you, right? My favorite thing to say, right? <laughs> oh, suddenly, are there, are there afternoon Bible studies? Or is there something I could do on Saturday morning to preoccupy my time? Suddenly, you're out of bed a little bit earlier, and the Bible just falls open ever so more easily. Why? Why can't we do that in the good times? When some of us do, and some of us know, I don't want any bad time, so I'm out of bed right away, <laughs> you know? I don't want to give God any excuse or any reason, I should say, to have to chastise me, amen? amen. Listen, there's a crazy crisis called crisis Christianity, and immature Christians do it all the time, and here's how it goes, but Israel's our model, all right? So God blesses Israel, or God blesses David, right? So Israel prospers, gets careless and rebellious, and and God sends chastisement in the form of something painful, right? They repent, they cry, they turn from their sins. God hears them, has mercy on them, restores them, blesses them. They get careless, they get rebellious, they fall away. God sends chastisement, they start crying. He turns up the pressure, they start repenting. He answers, he prospers them, they get careless, and and this this is how Christians live. You know some of these people. They're hot when, when they're in trouble, and they're cold the rest of the time. Don't do that. You're wasting, you're wasting a lot of time, right? So this is showing humility, dependence, tears. Look at him, praying from his heart. He's no longer apathetic. He says, like with uh, Psalm 119, verse 71, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. And finally, last couple verses. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. So songs of testimony Um, remind us to be grateful, to live in a posture of thankfulness because you're constantly singing, wow, look what God has done for a wretch like me. And we even sing that saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now, because God just said, I want that one. Wow. Shouldn't Shouldn't that elicit from me a response? of dedication, devotion, dying of self and picking up my cross that the God of the universe would just lavish his love on some wretch. That's sort of what's going on here. So he, you know, he's saying, um, God has done something in my life to give me something to sing about. I have something to sing about and to give thanks for now, you know, it's amazing, the human heart. It's just sad. It's sad to see in me. The 10 lepers who get, you know, they're calling from a distance. They're not allowed to go near people. So they see Jesus. They, they have faith. And they call him the, by his messianic name, son of David. We believe that you're the one descended from David. That's what they're saying. Son of David. 
have mercy on us. And Jesus shouts back, go, show yourselves to the priests in Jerusalem. Go, you're healed. Get out of here. <laughs> you know what that means, festering soil, uh, soil <laughs> sores, right? Digits that are gnarled, healed. I mean, this is miraculous stuff. And only one they, as they go, it says, as they go, they were healed, right? So they're going, and they're like, we're going to Jerusalem. He said, go to Jerusalem. What? And they're looking at their, and God is on them, and just baby soft, beautiful skin. And nine of them take off. Wait, did they go to the temple? I don't know. Jesus seems to think something's wrong with their attitudes. But one of them comes screeching back. He doesn't have to abide by any rules because he doesn't have leprosy anymore and throws himself a gelatinous mess on the ground in front of the Savior at just sinking him. And Jesus says, weren't there 10? Weren't there 10? Oh, listen, I'm not going to be one of those. I'm not. I'm not going to be sitting there just kind of pretending like I'm singing or something. I'm not going to play that game. I've got something to sing about. I, I mean, and he's done something for me. And you don't have to be out of your little well to be able to have a testimony because ch ch check this out. This is gospel stuff. Wailing. You've turned my wailing into dancing, removed my sackcloth, and it's just mourning and death. Clothe me with joy. So I've gone from a funeral to a wedding because of you, right? Let me tell you what this is. This is gospel. This is the gospel. Whether you're in a hole right now, whether you're waiting for a doctor's report, whether you're in a bad relationship, whatever. Okay, yes. Larger picture. This is true of you. You were on your way to a place of eternal wailing. That's where your sins were taking you. And but for the grace of God, you would eternally perish. But, but because God got in front of your determined will to perish and God stopped you, then he he's turned your eternal doom, darkness, wailing, gnashing of teeth. I don't even know what that means this angry, frustrated, eternal torment. That's what he describes. And he says, I've taken that off of you and instead put on you a robe of righteousness, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, white as snow, the righteousness of Christ. God the Father will see the purity of Christ when he looks at you and says, well, he will say, he will say of you and of me. This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. No sins. What a trade, right? So he's saying, listen, I could get excited about this. I could start, I, I could start like singing. I have something to sing about. So if you recall every time before you come to church, just go through where you were headed, read some passages about hell. Just read a few of them. Jesus talked about 30 times about the place and described it in detail. And so please don't go there. Read some passages on hell and know in your heart that you had a name tag there. You had a little place there reserved for you. But God just canceled it. And, and nobody even knows why. Somehow you cooperated, but he chose you and, and, and it's not just that you're not going to perish. It's the, it's the opposite of perishing in reverse. It's heaven poured on you with crowns and rewards. And he says, you're going to sit on the throne with me and judge the world? Reigning and ruling with honor in a world that we can't even imagine. No eyes have seen, no ears have heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men. The things God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. So do, can you sing? Can, can you die to your, yourself? Can you, 
Your whole Christian life can be a response to this testimony of let me tell you what God has done. I was headed this way, and I'm headed this way. From death to life, from doom to joy. Wow. So he's saying, listen, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in sin. It's by grace we've been saved. God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And here's the kicker here. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So what moment are you in? Are you in a well moment? Most of us are in a well of some kind. Listen, uh, it's seasonal. I promise you, the sun is going to come out. You have God's word on it. The weeping is going to turn to joy. The dark is going to give way. The light's coming. It's going to happen, right? But in the meantime, we have something to sing about because we have a song of testimony. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love. I sense, Father, that the Holy Spirit's really at work here. I know I'm encouraged just hearing your word, Lord, and just knowing what a testimony, even when we don't feel, we forget it. We forget we have such a great testimony. I want to go out and tell somebody about it, Lord. Just thank you for reminding us, Lord, that even if we're struggling, boy, we've got some beautiful things in store for those who put their trust in you. So thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.